Welcome, everybody, to the Everybody Counts podcast. Tonight, we're going to be discussing Bosch Legacy Season 2 finale. It's titled A Step Ahead. It's written by Tom Bernardo and Eric Overmeyer, and it was directed by Patrick Cady. And be sure to stick around after our discussion of the episode to hear the showrunner segment with Tom Bernardo, one of the writers of the episode. Joining me tonight is Tracy Phillips and Pete P.I. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing all right. How about you, Pete? What's up? Yeah, we're ready, man. Yeah, it's exciting. The finale. Exciting episode. Exciting episode, but also, what is it? uh, Bittersweet moments. Yeah, because it's the end for this season. Yeah. I got some big stuff to talk about here. Yeah, I understand that um, Pete's got some big predictions that I have not heard. Yeah. I I mean, if you haven't listened before, Pete's predictions are pretty epic. They're always wild and off the hook and sometimes make no sense at all. And sometimes they sound wonderful. Oh, that's right. That's right. But then uh, stick around for before the showrunner segment. We're also going to have trivia and a game. So yes. hope you all enjoy that today. Love so, the games. Me. You going to kick us off, Mike? Yes, I will kick us off because we get a cameo from the original Bosch show. Right away in the beginning of the episode, Maddie's talking with FID, giving her statement about the shooting of Don Ellis. The cameo is Detective Andrew Lang. Mm -hmm. He's still with the FID. He was uh, the one that was investigating Gary Edgar and the shooting of Jacques Avril in seasons six and seven. So Maddie's going over a statement where she was after she shot him twice, hit him both in the chest and falling into the water. It wasn't safe to render aid. Mm -hmm. He says that her and Vasquez had to separate after she after they heard the first shot. Aaron tells Maddie that the body was recovered, but so far there's been no gun found. Mm hmm. And he looks shocked. She knows yeah. that Ellis had a gun, even tells them what kind it was, the Glock 19 blue steel semi-automatic pistol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Aaron says that they're holding the crime scene, and when the sun comes up, they'll send the dive team in to look for the gun. So right off the bat, we get you know, like a little bit of a shock to the system. Well, we, mm-hmm. as the viewers, we all saw he had a gun. Right. He was mm-hmm. right at Bosch. And it took me on like, because I, I, when I was watching it for the notes for this for coming up for this podcast here, I actually was paying attention to where the gun was when after he was shot. Mm-hmm. So I see him hold on to the gun in his yeah. right hand as he's falling yeah. out of the boat. So yeah, it goes with him overboard. It goes he, with him. Yeah, the other IA detective, you said her name is Aaron. Is that right? Aaron, yes, it was she was pretty pretty rough on Maddie with the suggestions about the gun, you know? Yes. It's just very harsh. I don't know. Maybe that's just part of their job, part of the routine, I guess. But I was like, come on. Well, it's kind of like what Vasquez tells her afterwards. So I'll just jump into that quick. Yeah. And leaving the station, her representative, who we've seen in the past before, too. Mm-hmm. Curtis Bozeman tells her she did a great job. Maddie's still worried that they won't find the gun, but Curtis says they'll find it. He tells her that it was a good shoot and that Elsa was a bad cop and the department will want to put it to bed as soon as they can. Yeah. So as Maddie's heading to her car, she sees Vasquez is waiting for her, offers her breakfast, but Maddie declines saying she just wants to go home and sleep. Kind of like at the yeah, she's kind of like at the when you know she was leaving the hospital at the end of episode two, where she's like, I just want to go home and crash in mm-hmm. bed for like a week. Um, she apologizes to Vasquez, saying that they'll probably get dinged for separating. Mm-hmm. And that's where the line comes in. Vasquez says that the FID always has to find something to justify their existence. <laughs> yeah. So Maddie asked her if she'd seen if Ellis had a gun. And Vasquez says that she, there wasn't in the vantage point for her. 
Right. So, but Vasquez tells Maddie they'll they'll find it, and Maddie kind of, kind of goes, "I often hope so." Yeah. <laughs> definitely need that and you know maybe that maybe she's trying to the the other fid detective was trying to gauge her reaction when she said maybe. stuff like that you know like but don't they don't they always say the good cop oh, good bad cop, cop bad cop yeah maybe she was the bad cop yeah exactly yeah we're so protective you know of maddie of so. course <laughs> and like like i said we all saw ellis had the gun yeah we they saw it to, they just have to read the scripts or watch the watch the show yeah <laughs> just go back and, and watch the show on board <laughs> do we want to talk about honey getting a call from aslan's attorney yes okay yeah she's at home and she's talking to aslan's attorney of course aslan is the one that managed the the plant or the operation at the plant where they had the the breach of the pipeline where they were stealing the gas yep. and he's the one that was able to identify bosch on the six pack of photos so we hadn't heard anything about that recently but it obviously put bosch on the line Mm-hmm. So she finds out from Aslan's attorney that actually Aslan decided to end cooperation with the FBI, chose not to do that, and accepted charges for conspiracy and fraud. So he will yep. go to prison, but not as a snitch. Yes. So, and the attorney and Honey both agree that, you know, it's pretty risky trying to snitch on, on Bradfa. So he, he took this route instead, and that kind of should help Bosch because he's not. He's, so anyways, that's the route that Aslan took. And then Matthew arrives mm-hmm. at Honey's house and he's got the lab results, the CTE analysis, the condom trace element analysis. And Honey's a little surprised that, you know, he brought it all the way over by himself, that you know, maybe the lab could have curried it or something. And you know, he just said that he wanted to. And he's he's basically trying to find out what her next move is with her career and can he be a part of it? And that second answer is no. She's pretty yes. she's pretty straightforward about that. And she says you can't trust him, you know, completely, hundred percent. Then it's just not going to work. So she she declines his offer to work with her in the future. And he's very polite about it and wishes her well and heads out. What did you think about his reaction when she said no? Do, do you think he? Do you think he thought she was going to say no and he was just making one last ditch effort? Yes. I, yeah. I definitely think he was he was figuring she was going to say no because it was that like last little ditch, ditch effort. It's like, you know, please, I won't let you down again. But when she said, sorry, I can't, I can't, tr- I, I need people I can trust. Mm-hmm. And she, he kind of shook his head like, yep, he agrees. So, but so, he tried. Yeah. Yeah. Swing and a miss. <laughs> I mean, we, like I said, we pushed on the podcast last year. We want more Matthew next season. Let's get him to be yes. a bigger character. Well, then he turned out to be a dud. Yeah, <laughs> so, right? Like, come on, swing and a miss. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we got our wish, but uh, yeah, no, Matthew, please. This is not what we wanted. So yeah, that, that was disappointing. I, I don't think he's a horrible guy, but yeah, he seems a little wishy-washy, I guess, you yeah. know, changing his so, story from the very beginning. Since we're on the topic, I was just kind of, I, one of the interrogation questions I had was, do you think we'll see uh, Matthew pop up again in season three, or do you think that arc is done and and gone type of thing? Well, I kind of think maybe he's gone, but yeah. like, like, you know, if you've been listening to our showrunner segments with Tom, he always talks about if there is a reason that makes sense for someone to come back mm-hmm. or to be a cameo, they will. So you never know where the story might take us. If there's something that makes sense for him to come back, uh, you know, I wouldn't, you know, be surprised, but I just, I don't see a way that he'd be involved at this point. Yep. So, so yeah, I think that's probably about 
all we're going to see from Matthew, uh, at least for the, the near future. You never know. Yeah, I think so, too. What I happen. think so, too. Or they can really... use him for something. <laughs> like, you owe me, so you need to do this. Oh, there you go. <laughs> maybe, who knows? Or heck, heck maybe, the, uh, maybe the FBI make another run at him. Who knows? There you go. Let's uh, move on to, we have a scene with Jade talking to Agent Barron about yep. the whole Mo situation and about, are they going to... How does, she, how does she feel basically about moving forward with it? So she, she's, I mean, she basically is, is ready to move forward, but she has some hesitation, I guess. Would you call it hesitation mm-hmm. or doubts? Not really doubts maybe, but well, she basically, I, I mean, that's, you. she's has some distractions. She's allowed some distractions to get into her job. She has, you know, she admits that she has developed a little bit of, of feelings, but she's also has some fear about um, her cover being blown. And she says that she can be doxxed. And I had to look up that definition. Did you look that up too, Mike? Yes, I did. Why don't you tell us about that for folks who, who may not have uh, knew what that was? Okay, before I get into that, I just had a quote or uh, something I want to throw out there. When mm-hmm. She's talking about how she's going to be outed mm-hmm. in hacker circles and she would be ruined. The, uh, the, the quote that kind of flew into my head is an oldie but a goodie. It's from Livia Soprano from the show The Sopranos. Oh, poor you. Oh. <laughs> So, but they, uh, that fits. Yeah, exactly. So when they, so she says that they'll probably dox her and her family looked it up and doxing is the act of revealing, identifying information about someone online, such as their real name, home address, workplace, phone, financial, and other personal information. That information is then circulated to the public without the victim's permission. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of ironic. Because, you know, she set up this scenario where she was afraid she played the game that she was afraid that her family's medical records were going to get exposed. We played this, you know, and that was for her job. But, you know, she she set that up. But now she is truly afraid of her personal information sitting out there. But Baron encourages her. He he says, you know, that Mo is smart, which she is. But he he still thinks that he'll cooperate and that nothing too bad will happen if he really does come through and snitch on everyone (laughs) so so we will see but yeah there's some there's i think i'd call a little bit of hesitation and and distraction there about the next step with mo so i think next we've got harry and maddie talking sort of about the fid Mm -hmm. interview and the fact that she tells him that they didn't find the gun he thankful that she saved his life but he also just wants her to know that he understands the seriousness and the impact that it weighs on you when you take someone's life, even someone horrible like, like Ellis. And Harry seems to think that she's being a little cavalier about the whole thing, like kind of suggesting that it doesn't bother her. And he's, he just wants her to know that he talks about your moral code and that's what keeps you from just saying, oh yeah, good shot. You got him. He's gone. You know, things like yep. that, that there's more to it when you have this moral code. But she says you know, he wants her to talk about her feelings. You know, that's okay to talk about how you're feeling about this. It can be conflicting and it can be heavy. And she says that she does have feelings and her feelings are of anger and they're directed at him and yes. her mom, both. So she's just, you know, she's so afraid that if she loses Harry, then, then she will, will have no one. Why is she mad at Eleanor? That's what I was trying to figure out, too, because maybe the work she was doing with the FBI put her in harm's way. And neither Maddie, I mean, obviously she's a kid or Bosch mm-hmm. or the feds could help her out, you know. So yeah. Maybe she, I she, wasn't the work she did for the feds put her in harm's way. I wasn't sure if she was 
you're sort of angry about the choices that she made, kind of like you were saying, Mike, that, you know, maybe mm -hmm. she took on jobs that were too risky or is she just mad at life, kind of mad that her mom's gone, you know, because that yeah. that could be it too, that I'm just, this is not fair. This sucks. Now I'm worried about my dad too. And, and she has, she's flat out said, you know, she's angry with her dad and she's going to leave, but she gives him a kiss on the head and she tells him that she loves him. And mm -hmm. he also says that he loves her, which I think is really important to see that, they can be honest with each other and say the hard things, but it doesn't mean they don't love each other. I think it's good for us to see that because mm -hmm. I, we've been a little concerned sometimes about this season, about their relationship. You know, is, this, is there a fracture here? So I think that was a nice reminder that, you know, it doesn't change the ultimate way they feel about each other. That's just things they're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. Then we get to see Honey with her therapist and she's kind of looking back on what's happened. She does talk about marty she doesn't say his, his by name but we we know who she's talking about and she says that it it can't be fixed it's not something that she thinks can be fixed kind of like with matthew he couldn't do anything to sort of fix it with her mm. she doesn't think that she's able to win over martin again or but she's okay with that and some of the other things that have happened just to have all this behind her which is that how you would kind of describe it or yeah a little bit it's kind of a i think didn't she say harsh no a bit harsh how she kind of states that that if this is the cost you know she mm -hmm. or if this is the collateral damage then she can live with it right <laughs> yeah she says she says she'll never be the same again like she's she'll yeah. she, she her focus is not about going back to her old self she's she says that's not going to happen and that all this that has happened in the wake of everything she accepts it i guess maybe it's a better word yeah. but yeah i guess the takeaway is that she is ready to move on and that she's a different person now and that she has lost some things, but yep. she's okay with that. If it means moving on and getting away from all this, not being obsessed with Carl Rogers all the time. That's yeah, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get to see Janice Jade. I don't know what we're going to call her now. She goes to Mo's place and wants to go for a walk. And this poor guy, mm -hmm. you know, he, he, he likes her and uh, he's, He's tried to do things to help her. He's, you know, wooed her a little bit. And she's just not allowing him to get close romantically nope. at all. I have, I have a question. Yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm watching this and I'm going, this guy's so dumb. She's just going to keep playing him right now. But, you know, it, it, it plays itself out. Did you mm -hmm. believe that he knew what he was doing this whole time? Or did you, were you fooled when the turn came? As, as far as me watching this and reacting the first time, I, I'm, I'm, this is how I felt. That it's like, oh gosh, she wants to go for a walk. She just won't let him in closer. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I didn't have the benefit of seeing the rest of the episode yet. So, and I was already, I was already hating her because of what she had done. Then don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but from his perspective, I just, I just assumed that he was none the wiser in that regard. And that he is just bummed. And he didn't even really, like, that's when I feel bad for, I guess, a guy or, you know, whoever, anyone, when he's not even really pushing that hard or trying that hard. He's just kind of stating it. He's just kind of saying, yep. yeah, I've done this, I've done this. But anytime you, know, it's possible to get a little more intimate, you just push the other way. And they do decide to go for a walk and get some kimchi. 
and it's all the the garlic ensures that they they won't be getting close. He's just sort of matter of fact about the situation now. He's not even really trying at this point to get her. Well, to, he's a gentleman. To be closer. That's, he is a gentleman. Thing. Yes, he is a gentleman. And yeah, it's like he's just kind of accepted it. Like, okay, this you're not you're not in into me. He's just kind of accepting it, and that almost makes it more sad. Yeah, I, I'm feeling bad for him at this point. I so I did too. I, I was too. There was no like see? spark in his voice anymore. That you know, I know his voice literally. I think the intonation and quality of his voice changed some it didn't have that yes. smoothness to it and... i was just about to say that didn't, it wasn't smooth it was short yeah. kind of matter of fact type of thing so yeah oh you feel bad for mo feel bad <laughs> for like, mo. we feel bad for mo but at the same time it's not going that next step where it might really hurt him if it does go to that next step so we feel bad for mo but at the same time it's a we want to protect him yeah going. yeah we're trying to protect him at the same time yeah we're yeah we're we're seeing it from all sides yeah well, then we get to see harry up on that cool rooftop again i always like those shots i know me too in the background and i just assumed honey was going to come around the corner and there was going to be yep. a talk with honey that's where they meet but it's this deputy chavez and she yep. has she's a sheriff's deputy and she has an envelope with her and she, so she gives him this report that he's requested and it talks all about doc Wilder's visit to the infirmary and apparently he got a beat down and i think he was what in the infirmary infirmary for like a week yep yeah and then bosch asked her you know is he not aff affiliated and i guess that means like selecting like a, a gang or a, a group so that then he has some protection al aligning sort of with a group is that what that is yes yep okay so and and then she's it's kind of weird he she doesn't explain it but she said that she hears that like the rumor is or that she hears that he has a death wish mm -hmm. so that's kind of mysterious mm -hmm. did you what, what did you think about that good <laughs> next next well, question next question <laughs> At this point of the episode, we have no idea who they're talking about. I'm thinking they're talking about David Foster. Oh. So I think they're still talking about David Foster at this point, that he spent a week in the infirmary because we saw him with Honey yeah. an episode or two back where he was beat up by the deputies and maybe he has a death wish because when he, if or if or when he gets out, he's going to have to face the fact with his wife that he was having an affair with another man mm -hmm. and will it cost him his marriage or family. So. So at this I, point in the episode, I thought they're talking about David Foster. Me too. That's, I, I thought from the very beginning, I thought it was about Doc Weiler. I mean, from the very first time I watched it. Isn't that crazy? Really? That is. That is then. Then you had like a ESP. Premonition or something. Well, I mean, no matter what happens in the rest of the episode, it still could be either one. Yep. This conversation. They did not say. And so we don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, I think too, though, because they said he hasn't affiliated yet. You wouldn't really affiliate if you were hoping to get found not guilty. You know, you're going to trial. Mm -hmm. We would think more about someone affiliating if they were already sentenced and going to be there. So maybe that's why I thought Doc Weiler. Interesting. Yeah, it's so, not weird that we went, we went totally, to two different people. Yeah. Then the, they're finally trying to arrest Mo. And who wants to talk about this? They, they arrive outside his apartment. I'll jump in. Okay. Because this scene kind of you see mo or you see mo working on his computer music's blaring fbi in full raid gear or you know you have agent jones out there with a loudspeaker saying you know anybody inside or mo maurice bossy i think they use the full name or mm -hmm. anything mo bossy yeah. you know and any other occupant at this place come out with your hands up mo's got his music blaring he can't <laughs> hear anything inside they yeah, bust in his door they have a search warrant 
and the way it kind of goes down, I mean, you see Mo jump up, you know, he throws his hands up and they're like, turn around, interlace your fingers, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. And he roughly gets put on the ground, roughly cuffed. And then you see Jones comes in, turns off the record player without even oh, harsh needle off. I know. I was I like, saw that. I'm like, that's not how you're supposed to start stop a record player. I don't even own a record player, at least not m- one of my own. Yeah. And I know you're not supposed to stop a record player like that. Yeah. And then throws the paperwork on the ground. And then Mo looks up asking what the charges are. So this whole scene, it's like, I just, I don't like this Jones guy. I don't like the uh-uh. James agent either, but uh, just, I felt bad for how rough they were with Mo. Especially yeah. the fact that he's still recovering from that car accident a few episodes. Exactly, exactly. Like, they just, it's just killing them that they got played, you know, by Honey. Mm-hmm. And, and they're trying this. And they just, yeah, they just can't stand it if, unless they're. Oh, uh, just don't. I don't like, the, don't like the FBI in this one. <laughs> <laughs> this show does not make us like the FBI pretty much. Only a couple agents we, we've liked. Yeah, this. yeah. I will tell you one thing I thought about in this scene when they're like walking him through, walk backwards, put your hands behind your head, do this, you know, they like kept telling the steps. I was like, I would totally have fallen on my butt. Yeah. <laughs> they were telling me that like, I'd be like, what? Okay. Oh, backwards. Step. Okay. St- how many steps? You know, like, <laughs> I'm so clumsy too. I probably would have just fallen on my butt. So yeah, they've got him in the interview room and agents, James and Jones, they're talking about all the penalties, you know, associated with the the farmer well hacking and, and his other hacks that he's done but with that said it can be you know a minimal impact on you if you just cooperate back mm-hmm. to the whole happy hour thing so he's like what do you want and so the first thing they do is they put down a picture of jade so i'm like oh okay interesting yeah i didn't, I didn't really think about them going this route mm-hmm. um, that kind of surprised me and he's like nope don't know her and then of course they throw down the picture of him having drinks with her he's like well okay i did mm-hmm. have drinks with her you know kind of reminded me of matthew math first matthew's like i don't know anything That's about the same that thing diagram <laughs> yeah right like yeah and then you change your story and then they give this whole explanation story about jade being someone who you know is trying to get like corporate secrets and and using people like him to to get access to them so she can sell these secrets so they're you know they're feeding him this whole story they want him to continue to see her and get information for them there and they want to know about honey and harry's role in the the pipeline explosion and mo's like mm, i can't talk anymore and i want to talk to your boss so yep you want to go on with that mike well, I did like how he was kind of getting cute after they showed the picture of mm-hmm. him having drinks with Jade. That that Mo kind of gets cute saying that yes, uh, and that the, the drinks in the picture were called a euphoric, and they should try one to loosen up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when Baron comes into the interview room, Mo tells Baron that any deal they have will have to be in writing and signed by the U.S. Attorney. Baron says that either does what they want him to do or not, and Mo wants to think about it. You know, he, mm-hmm. he didn't wake up that morning expecting to be a snitch for the fbi mm-hmm. and he wants a few days to kind of ponder that and baron says that they don't have time the longer he's in there the long the more people will miss him out there and might get suspicious so he's got to decide right now if he's in or out mo says it as in federal as in federal lockup or out on the street mm-hmm. working for them which Baron says correct. So, however, they do agree. Baron says that if he calls Mo, he better answer, and he has until the end of the week. Yeah. So, does this and, is this normal though? I, I 
I have no idea. You have a guy, I know it's like, okay, it's like, yeah, we'll give you to the end of the week to make up your mind. Okay, you're (laughs) free to go for now. (laughs) It did surprise me a little bit. I know, same here. I I, I don't know the rules. uh, Well, I'll jump in here because I have a theory. The first thing I'll say is, the first thing I thought of when he was talking to have this conversation was in The Sopranos, when they figured out that uh, Pussy Bob and Sarah was the rat. And they were talking mm-hmm. about it, and they said that, you know, the, the, one, the one thing they want to do when the FBI arrest you is they want to get you back on the street as soon as possible so you don't have time to think. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. Like, you just, you don't think about the consequences, and you just go. Like, that's kind of their mm-hmm. thing. That's what I thought about there. However, let me get serious for a second here. You know, we love our characters, and, you know, I like to think, you know, realistically about, like, you know, whatever. But when you ask for a letter from the U.S. Attorney's Office mm-hmm. for information— you're 100% considering giving information at that point in time. Okay. Which, which, I mean, to me, it seems like Moe's willing to rat out Bosch and Chandler to save himself, which is realistic. Yeah. Yes. Maybe he's given them enough of an impression that he will cooperate, that they're willing to give the few days. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. Is he I really gotcha. ready to give it all up? Mm-hmm. Or is he loyal and he's just kind of playing into their game to get on the street, to do what he has to do and, and double yeah. double swerve it? Well, yeah, they're, they're taking a gamble because if, if they feel like, yeah, I think he's going to cooperate. So let's just give him the time. Or if they if they didn't think he was, then they, they probably wouldn't, you know. So they're mm-hmm. kind of, I guess, trusting their their instincts. Yeah. But it, I guess at least a day goes by and yeah. then they're the, the agents, we see him there at the office. And I think it's Jones who, I don't know for sure, but asks, you know, have you heard from him? Oh, is he? So I guess he's not going to cooperate again. You know, I guess it's not going to happen. And Baron's like, no, 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 I think he will. It, I gave him till you know, the end of the week, whatever. And then he's like, plus, you know, Agent Morell here has some information to share. Mm-hmm. And we find out that it's not been the end of the week yet, but between the meeting with Baron and, and where we are now, he has asked Jade over to his apartment to see her again. So then Baron thinks that that will be, and Jade, Janice thinks that will be their opportunity to to really see where he's at with things and open yeah. that he'll open up to her. Wants ears on that meeting. <laughs> and you have to wonder too. This Baron guy was set up from the beginning and described by the producers and stuff as this like relentless type character who mm-hmm. wants to get the convictions. And maybe maybe his doggedness is is what's interfering now. We can we see that with character. Like oh yeah, he's not he's not act. It's probably not very smart of him to let him have time to think like Pete was saying. So, but he just wants it like so bad that he's like, well, that's what it takes to get him to cooperate. But listen, let me just say this about Baron. All right. He's a clown and I don't like him. (laughs) Yeah. I think we can all agree with that. That's it. (laughs) You got my vote there. Then we shift gears and Honey is filing a motion to use third-party culpability in her defense strategy in David Foster's trial. So the first thing I will say about this is that I never even knew that you had to actually file a motion to to take that approach. Like I thought when you're a defense attorney, you can just go about it any way you want. I didn't know you have to actually like make a request to that that's the route we're going to take. We're going to look at this as third-party mm-hmm. culpability. So where I learned that is from the Lincoln lawyer. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, so a lot of the stuff in the Lincoln Lawyer has actually helped me understand stuff a little bit better in, in Bosch and probably vice versa. So it's really fun get seeing more in-depth from different aspects in the two shows. But Mike, do you want to talk about this this motion and what happens? Yes. So the uh, Honey lists off all the evidence that they've uncovered to prove David Foster is at least innocent or there's a lot of evidence that would 
proved the prosecutor's evidence at least faulty. Mm-hmm. They said that the Lexi was about to launch an investigation that would expose the extortion racket. They killed Parks to frame Foster. They also killed Foster's alibi, James Allen, who Foster was with the night Lexi was killed. The judge asked where the CTE comes in, and Honey explains that Allen and Foster were clandestine lovers. And Ellison Long used their CI Allen to collect Foster's semen in a condom, which they planted in and on the body of Lexi Parks. Mm-hmm. Landreth stands up saying that he's heard some far-fetched defense theories in his time, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but then the judge cuts him off saying he'll get his turn. Mm-hmm. Um, Honey goes on to saying that the D- DNA contained trace evidence of a specific brand of condom found in Allen's hotel room. We get the, a time jump where the judge is taking the bench again and gives his r- ruling that he found sufficient evidence to argue a third-party culpability at the trial. Yeah. Um, before heading out the door, Honey makes another run at Archer saying that... Like, this is your chance. This is your time. Yes, this Do is your it. chance. You know, you know Foster's not good for it. Mm-hmm. And Archer disagrees, saying, uh, what does the CTA, CTE proves? You know, Foster could have worn a condom during the assault. And yeah, Honey says there's no evidence that Parks and Foster even crossed paths. And Archer Ever. says there's no evidence there was that they, they, they didn't cross paths. Right. But they're yep. not dropping the charges. So it's like there's always this cat and mouse game between Honey and, and prosecutors throughout the years, too. So Well, it's just kind of a childish, like, argument. Oh. strategy from Archer, you know, because it's like saying, you know, elementary school, you took my pencil. Well, you don't have yeah. any evidence that I did. Well, yeah. you don't have any evidence that I did. You know, just, I don't know. It just seems kind of childish. That's a good correlation to that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that correlation. He's like a kid that, you know, oh man. It's like with every scene you get with Archer, you just hate him more and more. Yeah. So. And you know where his motivations are, you know, yep. he's politically motivated. We talked about that in the ninth episode recap, right? Mm-hmm. If yeah. he thought it was a political thing, it's because of the election coming up, right? Yeah, he didn't want to. He didn't want to look like he'd made a bad yes decision, and that he been holding an innocent man all this time. Yeah, so. Exactly. So then we kind of catch up with Maddie. We get scenes with Rico. So they're at this gold diggers. I guess that's that's the cop hangout place, or at least the maybe the younger cops. But yeah, we we can talk about this. And I was going to say, I, I know Pete's gonna love talking about this because it's basically a, a gradual breakup with with rico you know she keeps saying they're not breaking up but you know it from the very beginning yeah. when he sits down that first time you can you can see it on his face that he knows it too so yeah they're hanging out CRE's there paulina's there rico walks over and she goes ahead and tells him that she has found a new place and he looks heartbroken because she's going to be moving out. And he's like, well, when? Well, soon. <laughs> like, every answer is bad. Got a new place. Oh, yeah. I'm leaving soon. But, but it doesn't mean it's a breakup. And he's mm-hmm. kind of like, I just, I need to go. I'm going to go over and see Mingle a little bit. You know, he goes over mm-hmm. with some of the other folks. And he just, he looks pretty dejected, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. <laughs> Come on. Okay, listen. First of all, this is the second best moment of the of the season for me. <laughs> Oh gosh! All right, the first best moment was Jay Egger being involved with Harry doing stuff mm-hmm. in the in the first couple episodes. Like that, you know, mm-hmm. Jay Egger's my guy. He's number one. It was so glad to see him, breath of fresh air. Can't wait to see more of him. This is number two. I just want to make a little a little comment here. So Maddie's been with like three guys that we know of, right? Antonio, Rico, and Tom. 
Now, yeah, I, like, yeah. I like Tom, but not the other two. And most people don't like any of them. I know Jay doesn't like any of them. Mm-hmm. And I know that Mike probably doesn't like any of these three clowns either. Um, <laughs> can we all agree that Maddie's got some really shitty tasting guys? Like, <laughs> come on. Like, can we all agree on that at least? Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I think they're all, I, I don't hate the guys, but I have not seen the true spark and connection with yes. any of them that she's always seemed like she's holding something back she's not almost like you know we think jade's been with with mo or something not to that degree but it just always seems like she's finding reasons to move on i don't know and it's not a criticism i mean because you want some, you don't want her to stay with someone that she's not in love with but it's just i don't know it's weird if she stayed with tom we wouldn't have this problem <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was Tom didn't want to stay with her. Remember maybe. That yeah, that's true. <laughs> she she pushed and I felt bad for Tom. He was an all right guy, but don't let Jay hear me say that. Have Rico have a transfer to another division. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I agree. Tracy, something did catch my ear when they were when the two of them were talking. Go for it. She was saying, uh, Rico was saying that when after he sat next to her, Maddie asked, Aren't you afraid that people are going to talk? And he said, Well, I'm just a shoulder to cry on. Uh-huh. He asked her how she feels, and Maddie says that everyone's asking that. And yeah. Rico says, "Well, they're all virgins except for Vasquez." So I wish oh, we heard yeah. more. I wish we heard more about that. I didn't even know Vasquez. Or did she just shoot somebody, or did she shoot and kill somebody? So that's, I don't know. Because at first just I was curious. just like, at first I didn't know if he was just referring to their like sort of their rank that they're still new and mm-hmm. Rain has been a while around for a while. And then I was like, oh wait, is he saying that? She's had an FID investigation that she yeah. shot someone and like you, has she shot someone and killed someone? So yeah, there's a little nugget there. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, yeah. but that so was interesting. More, hoping for more backstory mm-hmm. on that kind yeah. of line. Like I said, sometimes I catch, I catch lines that I know it's not a throwaway line. Yeah. And yeah. I don't I'm think it's a throwaway that line. That kind of ties in with what we see next because Raina comes over and mm-hmm. tries to be supportive. And she says, if, when, never, almost yes. like she does have experience with it. So it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting, you know, but she basically says, I'm here if, if, and when you ever want to want to talk about it. So yeah, yeah, it does make you wonder, yeah, she's a good friend, but also does she have experience with this that we're not aware of? No big spoiler that eventually we later, not the very next scene, but we do see her packing her car and moving out. And he looks super dejected yes. at that point. I, but yes, we later in the show, we see her packing up. He's helping her get her stuff. And it, it he's looking more and more dejected. And it's looking more and more like it is uh, definitely over. <laughs> so we move on to Honey visiting Harry's office. And they're basically having a, a powwow kind of about where everything is. And she updates him about that information we learned about Aslan taking the fall for conspiracy and fraud and she's like i think this pretty much puts you in the clear to harry and they talk about how bratva must have delivered a message somehow to aslan to just remind him don't snitch on us don't cooperate with the feds because we're like how do you change his mind all of a sudden there was probably some intervention they think which sounds pretty accurate a lot Um, of sketchy things going on just saying (laughs) yeah So that it's looking like they're both probably in the clear on that. But of course, they still have their case with David Foster. And they, you know, like, how are we going to prove it? Because they're going to do this third party culpability. But how are we going to prove that he didn't do it? They're, they're still coming back to that cross point. And then Bosch has an idea because he re- remembers and thinks about how long doesn't know that Ellis is dead. Mm-hmm. So thinks maybe that he can leverage that information 
and maybe get a confession from him. And of course, Honey's like, well, how are you going to do that? And he says, first, I have to get rid of the deputy that's outside of his hospital room. So you want to jump in, Mike, about this little uh, ruse of pretending to be a doctor? <laughs> yes, the Mission Impossible maneuver here. <laughs> yeah. Or Mission Mo Possible, if you want to go back to Stephen A. King. Yeah, we see Bosch grabbing a doctor's coat from a, like a uniform room out in the hallway. He finds a stethoscope, grabs a clipboard from the nursing station. And the thing that bothered me on this scene, it's like, okay, he's grabbing all this stuff. And seriously, nobody sees this doctor walking around with stitches and you know <laughs> bruises on his face and everything he's not really easily seen i mean the nurses are busy with mm-hmm. talking about other patients and we see that the officer that's assigned to long's door is paying attention to somebody else other than people walking down the hallway there's uh, a nurse going from room to room with like i don't know what it was it was some kind of equipment maybe a heart probably a cart for vitals or something yeah, vital carts. So uh, so she goes into Long's room and Bosch sees her go in there and he sees the guard kind of asking if she needs any help. And she says, no, not necessary. And then when she comes out of Long's room, she goes to the next room down and the officer helps her hold the door open for her. And that's how Bosch is able to slip into Long's room. Mm-hmm. In the room, Bosch gets Long to start spilling his guts, just not the way we probably wanted him to be spilling his guts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It almost suffocates um, him. Yeah, almost. Well, I, I think he has a wake-up call, and then, <laughs> you know, the long wakes up or pops too, and Bosch says that if you if he wanted him dead, he'd already be dead type of thing, And but he wants to help him. And Long says, you want to help me? You tried killing me. And Bosch says, actually, I had a headshot on you, and I didn't take it, so you're alive yeah. because of me. Right. And then uh, asks if he's heard about Ellis. Long says, what about him? And Bosch says that he was caught in the marina because the twins gave him up and is cutting a deal, laying all the blame on Long. Yep. Starts reading from a confession. That was a nice prop, by the way. I got to give I got to give props to the prop. <laughs> um, starts reading from the confession, saying that uh, to get in order to get the watch back, they broke into or he Long broke into Parks's house and came out bloodied. Yep. And Long says that that's not the way it went down. (laughs) That's not the way it went down. And that was all Ellis. He's the one that went all psychopath Mm -hmm. on parks with a tire iron. He thought the tire iron was only supposed to pop the front door. And yeah. I'm trying to figure out like, yeah, he says he went all psychopath on her with the tire iron. But what did he think was going to happen? True. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. But yeah, at <laughs> one point, Long did tell Bosch that Ellis was saying that the worse it looked, the more it looked like a serial did it. Yeah. Like we had just said, Long thought the tire iron was just to be opening the door, but he kept hitting her with it, getting blood all over himself, the walls, the ceiling. Mm. So, and then it cuts to where the recording is being played for Archer mm-hmm. in Archer's office. You want me to just keep going? Sure. Awesome. I liked this scene because you still see Arthur being that child character like you were talking Mm -hmm. about earlier. He's he's, uh, threatening. So after Bosch, well, they're playing the recording. Arthur stops it halfway through saying that Bosch isn't a cop and he can't just go around recording people Mm -hmm. because it's a dual consent state Mm -hmm. and that both parties have to be consent to record it. Right. Arthur also states that Long's voice is slurred, meaning he's probably obviously on medication and the whole charade 
would be tossed out by Long's attorney in five minutes. Goes a step too far, saying that he should have Bosch arrested for trespassing in the third yeah. 32 violation. Bosch, <laughs> he's like, you got to be effing kidding me. Uh, <laughs> so that's where they kind of end the meeting. But before Honey walks out, she uh, she says that he's got four hours. She tells him he's gonna she's going to share it to the media. And he's like, yeah. you can't do that. And and she's like, they they don't they don't care about the rules of recording. They're yep. gonna blast it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he'll have to have that statement prepared, saying why he still has an innocent man in jail for mm-hmm. a crime he didn't commit. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I love how so I love how Honey countered with that. Yeah, you know, you have Archer threatening to arrest Bosch on trespassing and dual consent state craft, and it's like, okay, here's a timetable for you. <laughs> yeah, here, here's your scorched We're gonna- earth. We're going to cut to the chase. Yeah. This is what exactly. you're going to do. <laughs> and I, I guess it worked, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he does agree to, to to drop the charges. So we see that there's a motion for the case to be dismissed. And, you know, Judge Newland is going through all the, the protocol and the formalities associated with that. Honey wants it to be dismissed with prejudice. I guess which means that they can't ever charge him for that again. again. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> furthermore... Honey requests a, a motion for factual innocence so that basically yep. it just clear that clears Foster's name from just anything associated with the case. Is that what, you know, I mean, yep. um, or any wrongdoing related to, to that case, any association maybe, or just anything. It really it clears his name, I guess, yes. is the best way, you know, to do it, to say it. So Archer finally, finally came around with that last, that last threat. Well, yeah, I don't think his hand was forced. Came his, around. Yeah, yeah his hand was around forced. as yeah. much as he just played ball finally. He had yeah, no choice. Yeah. 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 But we see Louise is happy, Foster's wife, and uh Foster's very grateful and expresses his gratitude. You know, what can I do to ever repay you? And she's like, just thank you, is is plenty. Mm-hmm. And and then I had brought this up with you guys earlier in the week. They walk off and sort of in celebration, and then and Bosch is like, Well, they're gonna have a lot to talk about. <laughs> And we were trying to figure out how much Louise really found out in this whole process about the affair he was having with James Allen. But regardless, they they have to, you know, figure out what this means for them, I guess, as a couple. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot. Like they were just so focused, I guess, on the on getting him cleared. And now they have a whole other issue to face. What's the what's the state of their marriage? Which I found it interesting that she was so supportive all along you know because she if you know if she heard everything if she knew all about it which like you mentioned mike that for him to get cleared he had to you know someone had to explain to her at some point how they could finally clear his name with the the cte but and that it would come out but yeah i mean were you surprised that she was so supportive when she's finding out all these things like i said i think she's still in the dark because she wasn't in the courtrooms Mm -hmm. when he when they were bringing up this evidence and that uh, Alan and him were the lovers off and on for six uh-huh. months because I can't remember all. I mean, we we're trying to we were trying to rack our brains about that a few episodes back where there you know, where Luis was in the meeting with with Foster and and Honey. Yeah. And we don't think any of that evidence got brought up at the time or during right. those during those uh, sit downs. So you think so it's maybe, possible that maybe she didn't still yeah, doesn't I, I know think she about Alan. Still doesn't know what what's going on, and I think I put in my notes something about if that's why Bosch says that they have a lot to talk about because uh, I, I know what's rattling around around in the wife's head is how, why were you even arrested for this in the first place? Okay, I didn't so, think you were the killer. 
Yeah. How, you so, got cleared. How did you get cleared? And, and how did this happen to begin with? Yep, yeah, exactly. So, okay. So those questions Foster will have to tell his wife about. So, okay. All right. Should we talk about the call Maddie receives from the Department of Corrections? Yes, please. Yeah, she gets a call. I think she's on her way to work. And in accordance with Marcy's law, they have to tell her that, you know, the one who, the prisoner assaulted her and kidnapped her and all that, like, was found dead from an overdose in his cell. And there's an investigation. Yeah, Renbacher. And there's an investigation into the circumstances of the overdose, which I, in my recap, I put a link to Marcy's law, but. I'm I'm not super familiar with it. Are you, Mike? I guess it's just like notification if there's some sort of if the prisoner maybe yep. is released or if they die or yeah, that's I I googled it and it basically said that that's uh, following or in, aims to place the following victims' rights among others in state constitutions. So you had to be notified if they're released or okay. die and die or yes, yeah, and any court here any court hearings they might have okay. too. So, okay. So yeah, Maddie, she's blindsided by that. She talked with Harry about it later, says he got off easy mm -hmm. and he wants to know if she's still angry with him, with, with Harry. And she says a little less angry. And she's thinking about visiting the FBI Memorial for Eleanor. Well, see, that threw me off when they first started talking about Memorial. Uh huh. I thought they were talking about the the spot where they dropped her ashes at, at Borrego oh, Springs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Was saying that uh, when Bosch started saying that. Right. Mm -hmm. that, he said he he started to go one time. Yeah, and he went didn't. twice, and only could go through half it. The second time, yeah. Second time, I'm like, okay, that's not Borrego Springs then. So yeah. Unless you stopped halfway up the the trail or whatever. So when. Yeah, I wasn't like very first, familiar with what they were that. talking about when I yeah. first saw the episode. Yeah, until we see but it then, later. Yeah, we see it the next scene. We see her showing up at the FBI building, and yeah, they mm -hmm. got a wall of uh, wall of memorial, FBI wall of honor. Sorry, mm -hmm. wall, wall of, of honor. honor. Yeah, yeah, and mm -hmm. she's. I mean, might as well talk about that. She's very moved by that. She, you know, she sheds a tear at one point. I mean, who wouldn't be, you know, as a picture. I <laughs> yeah, I know. So it just, all the information about her career, just, just seeing someone's life sort of like displayed like that is, mm -hmm. can be, I'm sure it's very overwhelming, you know, just really makes a big impact. And then the photos and all of that. But and she that's does it. The, the, those photos, I, I had the same reaction that she did when she did. Yeah. When she first sees the photos and she kind of gasped, like, yeah. you know, type of thing. But then when she yeah. gets down to the picture of Eleanor holding her as a baby and then the mm -hmm. tears start rolling down her face, mm -hmm. tears started rolling down my face. <laughs> yeah. It's very emotional. Admit, no, I, I mean, know, it's it a very emotional scene and a great performance, too. So, yeah. Was... Very well directed. I mean, they, the, the that production value is really good, just the way they walk through it mm -hmm. yeah it's very very moving and, and i don't know i know we talked about this a little while back that that the end uh, in the credits there's a there's the link we can virtually visit this wall but i was so. sort of taken with the variety of reactions she had like you said she kind of gasped at one point there was mm -hmm. tears there were smiles like she just yep. kind of went through this whole series of emotions but we, we find out when she goes to visit honey and and tells her all about it there's a lot of pride in her voice yep she just about thinking about her mom's contributions and her accomplishments. And she's just sounds very proud of her telling honey about, you know, her experience looking back on her life. And then she wants to tell honey the story about how Eleanor saved Bosch and how they fell mm -hmm. in love. Cause you know, she didn't know if she had heard that. And 
apparently she hadn't. And she's oh. very excited to tell her that. And Honey enjoys that as well. The thing I wanted to say is they were eating in and out, which is kind of funny. Just eat. Oh, watching. was it? Yeah. I was trying to figure out what they were eating. Okay. I saw like the little logo or the little, the way that the little okay. palm trees or whatever. But it was just kind of funny seeing Honey on her fancy porch at her fancy house, just eating burgers and fries, you know? But yeah, they were eating in and out. I thought that was cute. The one thing I wanted to add from the conversation with Honey and Maddie was the talk about how both Harry is a very lucky man. Both his wife and his daughter saved his life. And then Maddie says that she's worried when his luck runs out. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a heartfelt and yet, you know, down to earth scene between Honey and Maddie. It was yeah. just good to see. It was. We don't want to think about that, though. <laughs> I don't like the idea of that. So. Oh, I don't like the, I don't like, I don't like, I don't want to hear think about that either. <laughs> yeah. We're hoping Bosch's luck never runs out. So after the conversation, we see Maddie's leaving Honey's house. She gets a call from Mank and he says that you didn't hear this from me, but they found the gun sleep well tonight so mm -hmm. <laughs> so yep. finally we get some closure there that the gun was found that's the gun that they're looking for fid was looking for that ellis was aiming at bosch before maddie shot and killed him so yeah yay, the gun's yeah. found so yeah he's like are you still there she's just so relieved she yes. can't even talk yeah yes all right so should we move into the stuff with mo jade comes over and they play yes. some cards so they're playing uno and mo calls for blue as the next color and jade seizes that opportunity and asks him why do you seem so blue it's interesting you played blue you you seem so blue and down you know what's going on and just as she expected he does open up and talk about the domestic terrorism charges and he could possibly snitch on his employers and mm -hmm. so she just thinks he's playing right into their plans mm -hmm. but we i think already at that point i suspect that mo knows did, did you suspect at that point that he knows i didn't expect it till i heard him say the first name that was not jade so right yeah i did not see that coming well Until wait no, sorry. Said that. let me know back i'll backtrack a few like a few lines when she started talking about how when you start to get to know someone, trust them, believe in them. Once oh, she yeah. started saying those things, I'm like, this isn't going towards Bosch and Chandler. This is going towards her. Yeah. So just yeah. that line or two before, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. I mean, I, I was nervous that, you know, that that Mo was going to, you know, just kind of bust out saying, you know, I'm like he said, it's tits in a ringer. Yeah. So, yeah. so I thought for sure he was going to, not fully go against Bosch and Chandler, but kind of half or tiptoe up to that line type of thing. Okay. Okay. And then he did a total 180, did a total, total 180, 180 after like, those few lines there. It's like, well, Janice, and the mm -hmm. look in her eyes, it was priceless. Oh, um, yeah. And he's he like, or, so yeah, I, I guess I was a little insightful this time for a change. Usually I don't see things coming, but I, I kind of, before he said Janice, I, I thought maybe that he did know and then, of course, that was really clear at that point. And she's stunned. And then the agents hear it in the comms van or whatever in the truck. And mm -hmm. um, they're freaking out and try to call her on their phone. And he says, go ahead, answer and tell them you're OK. And, and she does that. And then, of course, she wants to know. And I think all of us would like to know how long has he known yes. that she is, is Janice and that she's a traitor and a fraud and an FBI agent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he, he's not going to tell her. And and she tries to get all tough and saying, well, you know, we have all this proof of you, you know, hacking into PharmaWell and most not can really concern. So mm -hmm. who wants to talk about that? Mo said any good hacker would would 
implement this on a thumb drive where it would delete after 24 hours. Because so like you case, give it to a person, you give it to a person, to you a expect person. them to go ahead and take the information, but it's their problem if they don't, you know, because you mm -hmm. don't want that, those fingerprints or whatever you'd call it, like hanging out there. Digital but, fingerprints. No, it's digital still fingerprints. there, right? It's not there no more. It'd be gone after 24 yeah. hours. Why would he, why would he not do that if she needed that information after 24 hours to use it against because he gave, he, he says, because he says any good hacker would do that. He, he doesn't even say that he mm -hmm. did that. He's like, not saying I did it, but any good hacker would set it to auto delete yep. um, after 24 hours. That's how, because, I, that's how I saw it too. That's how, yeah. yeah. Because then. But what if she doesn't want to use it within the first 24 hours? What if she wants to use it in two days? That's her problem. It's going to be empty. Probably. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a little, it's a little confusing because I, I thought, believe me. I thought that had that same question. Well, like what would, you know, if you're giving it to somebody, why just 24 hours, you know, um, because, you and, know, you don't... And, then how, and then how does the FBI not check the drive before they send her over to his house? Like that's very sloppy of the FBI. Well, we've already seen the... sloppiness on the FBI already this season. Yeah. With the shredded Those, bags. Uh, the shredded documents. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which they set him up so to do this anyway. So they're just like, oh, good. We got this. Now we have this evidence against them. If they don't right. check it or maybe... Yeah, maybe they gave it to them within the first twenty-four hours. Maybe they checked it, but then now the thumb drive is useless because it's been deleted. So yeah, maybe they did check they it right away. But also, but they could be sloppy and think, why do we even bother checking it? Because we set yep. them up to do this anyway. We had this information. Or you or, know. or they'd be afraid there'd be a virus on there that will wipe out their computers. So they don't want to plug it in anymore. I'm just, you know, we're not hackers, and so we're learning these things that that's yes. something a hacker would do, but. I, for me personally, I think, I think Mo asked for these, this time from Agent Barron so he could try to put this together. Cause I mean, the first picture they show him is a picture of Jade in the interrogation right. room. Right. And so I think he starts putting it together there. Okay. And, and knowing that, especially when they, when, especially when the agents in the room said that they want Bosch and Chandler, uh -huh. why do they want Bosch, Chandler, and Jade? What does Jade have to do with Bosch and Chandler? Right. You know, yeah, granted, Moe's a part of that circle with the pipe explosion. Fine. But if they want to go after him with hacker crimes, they can go after him with hacker crimes. So I think he started putting it together there. But whether we know or not, if he knew before that or not, I mean, yeah. hopefully we get an answer next season. But if not, it'll be one of those unanswered questions. <laughs> I mean, it definitely felt really slick when it was playing out. Because I don't think we see from the time Moe leaves the FBI till Jade visits him. Or yeah. doesn't even, I mean, we don't see him leaving the FBI, but once we, uh, him and Baron agree on that, you know, by the end Time of the frame. week, then we mm -hmm. don't see Mo until Jade's over at his place. Yeah. So I think, I think he started putting it together. I think he's been in busy. In the interrogation room and then hit the, you know, hit the computers, hit the systems, you know, full on, full bore after that, trying to figure out any information he mm -hmm. could on Jade Quinn. Yeah. I think he was very now busy she, doing those few days yes. or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, everything she brings up, you know, oh, we got video surveillance. Oh, well, it could be trespassing. And then you yep. know, ask about the files when then she talks about the auto delete. So mm -hmm. he just has her at, at every turn. One thing that I really liked is that she says that he that he's that he's installed a ah shoot. Oh, a sniffer it. on the jump box. Like Sni a, or a jump box sniffer, and he said, Good luck finding it. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. Oh and like he's got all the spaces covered. Mm-hmm. Which I think we all thought, you know, when he's doing this big thing at Farmer we're like, why are you doing all this for this girl and stuff? You know, mm -hmm. but we didn't think about how smart he might be about it, about covering his tracks. You know, we yeah. just see him doing it. So, yeah. So it's like, it's a great question. Did he know back before he started doing the hack? 
Mm-hmm. Did he know during the hack? Did he know or did he put it together in the interrogation room? So that's one of those one of those things we'll have to hopefully ah! find more information about. So. We want to know. We want to know. And we want to know what the listeners, what you guys think, too. What, what, how did you take it? What do you think yes. he knew? So he, he, he says, Uno, he puts that card down, and then he throws down his final card. I think it's a wild card and says, game over. And a lot of people on social media were saying that, the I guess, the card he put down before he said Uno, you know, that got him down to one card was a reverse so because he yep. could then play that card well i didn't i didn't zoom in or she's still not giving up though she's just like she's like she can't admit it's like she can't admit defeat and she says that mm-hmm. um yeah just doing my job and and then he really gets her he's like well nope. how long are you going to be doing that job because i'm going to give you what one day one night to if you don't if he doesn't quit that night if yeah. she doesn't quit that night he's gonna out her yeah he's gonna um, dox her yeah dox there you go her. exactly exactly and then, then she tries to tell him that she did have some real feelings, but he doesn't believe it. Yep. And I don't know if he doesn't believe it or if he's just saying that, but I'm glad he said it. <laughs> yeah, same here. And all of us are probably like trying to be like the the wife in Princess Bride going, liar, liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, just leave, Jay. Just get the heck out of here. Janice. Janice. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so we got a couple more scenes. Yes. And I'm feeling really bad for Mo. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling anger. All these emotions, but at least I feel like he covered it. That that he, I feel like he wins in the end. But he doesn't win. That probably his heart was not broken. I don't think Dang. he loved her, but it was dangerous. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got. I had to have a smooth word for it. Scathed. Yeah. Scathed. So. Okay, so before I get into this scene, I just want to set it up by saying, yes, there is a spoiler on the trailer between episodes 9 and 10 that give away the biggest cameo that we got this season. Granted, it was a great scene, Pierce, Vega, Edgar, but we get to see Irving in this episode. Mm -hmm. Because Honey meets with them, Honey kind of mentions the shootout at the marina, and then that's where we get the line, effing Bosch. Yep. But I do like how Honey Honey respond to that. Well, once you get to know him, which you <laughs> yeah. agreed with. <laughs> that was kind of funny. So uh, he asked what he can do for her, and she asked her if she if he'd be willing to endorse <clears throat> endorse her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but he thinks it's for mayor. Yeah, exactly. He thinks it's for mayor. And tries uh, saying that something that she asked him does does she really want to be miserable in city hall type of thing and and she goes no I don't want to run for mayor I want to run for uh, the DA of the next or she wants to be the next district attorney for the county of Los Angeles and he says he sees but repeats the question of what can he do for her mm-hmm. so seeing the seeing that the that he was going to have a cameo in this episode in the trailer I sat straight up on my bed and went what. You know, because it was a surprise. I did not think the character would have been brought back. I mean, especially since everybody that is listeners out there loves the show, knows that Lance Reddick passed away this past spring. So being able to see see that trailer, though, and see that he was going to have a spot in this episode, I spent the whole episode just wondering where he's going to come in. Yeah. You know, where, yeah. when's Honey going to meet with him? Because, I mean, when they, sometimes when they when they cut together these trailers, you don't know exactly if he's going to be meeting with Honey or if he's going to be meeting with somebody else. It just might have been clipped that way. So mm-hmm. so seeing that he does actually meet with Honey, it was good to see the two characters back together or back in the same scene. It would have been great to see how, you know, Irving feels about Bosch. <laughs> 
you know, if they would have, if they had shared a scene, maybe it would be, would have been more, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, confrontational, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Well, yeah, especially but, uh, how they ended things. Yeah. Yes, especially the way they ended things, and uh, Bosch, what giving the story to to Scott Anderson. Going back to seeing the scene, seeing Lance. So I cried what two or three times during this episode. The memorial. That's a lot wall, of stuff. Yeah. This scene here. And even when you see Foster being released, there's a little tear there, too, because you like to see an innocent man being freed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. not afraid to admit I cried when I saw Lance on screen in this yeah. scene. So. Yeah, it's just you're, you're so happy that he made his stamp yes. on the series. But it's just so hard too, you yep. know, to just to, to see that, like knowing that you know that he was gone after mm-hmm. so yeah a lot, a lot of mixed mixed emotions just very emotional in general so on the heels of of her talking to irving and asking for his endorsement we we do end up seeing her hold a press conference talking about the news with foster case being dismissed and his innocence and she definitely uses that as an opportunity to highlight archer's motivations and mm-hmm. about, you know, trying to, he was willing to cover up this truth, you know, of an innocent man just to save face and was thinking more about the election. And she would like to be district attorney and not be that kind. And, you know, Harry and, and uh, Maddie are, are watching and they're, they're really excited for her. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, a good scene. And then Scott Anderson, he's always lurking around, oh. of course. And he wants to know, he asked Harry if he and Honey engineered the whole mailing the subpoena to him to shut down the yeah. grand jury and basically he tells anderson you know you'll never know <laughs> he's yeah, yeah bosch gives like <laughs> he gives he, yeah wouldn't you like to know? he gives very little information ever historically to anderson yeah. which is which is super fun because he just finds well, a way to not say anything <laughs> usually yes but like i said at the end of season seven he was a fountain of information for his advantage for, Scott yeah. Anderson yeah, for this that's true. And then, and then it's back to in a pickle, take a nickel, and wouldn't you like to know? And this, uh, yeah, and this that was a one-time deal, Scott Anderson. <laughs> Pretty much one-time deal. All right, well, let's just finish it out. They get home. Coltrane yep. needs to go out, so Maddie stays inside. Harry takes Coltrane for a walk, and his phone rings. And Maddie looks down. It's from Was Wasco. Wasco. How do you say that? Oh shoot, uh, Wasco. I think. Was- I think that's what they said. Okay, Wasco State Correctional Facility, and Maddie picks it up. And it is a collect call from a prisoner, from an inmate named Preston Borders, who, if you don't remember, he is a convicted murderer that Harry sent to prison once. And then basically, again, not not all on his own, but he made there was a habeas hearing where Borders, he had this whole big scam with Mm -hmm. his wife who was a court reporter i think yeah um, a corrupt a corrupt lawyer and his wife as well yeah yeah that's of. right right they manipulated a confession from someone and, and tried to found a way to like show some evidence looked like it was evidence that he didn't so anyways he tried to weasel out of his conviction and harry helped make sure that didn't happen either so i, I kind of feel like harry sent him to jail twice mm-hmm. but borders tells maddie he's like who is this you know she says his daughter and of course, you know, he has to make a big deal out of, oh, you're the one that was taken. And well, I just didn't want to give your dad a message. And it's about Doc Weiler. Tell him I took care of it. And yep. Maddie is just totally shaken at that point. Oh, absolutely. And that's right when Harry walks back in. He can tell she's upset. Yeah, he wants to know who was on the phone because I guess he saw her with his phone. And she says it was Preston Borders. And what did you do? Mm-hmm. 
So it sounds like it, Borders is saying that Harry asked him to make sure that Doc Weiler didn't live to see another day. But and it's it's it, and that's your first reaction is like, oh my gosh, you know, if you believe that that happened, that's horrible, and creates this huge divide with him and Maddie. Like, how what is how are they going to recover from this? How could Harry do that? You start asking all these questions. Yeah. But then after you calm down a little bit, you're like, well, is that, is it, can we take it at face value? You know, and of course there's, there's been a lot of speculation on social media about maybe Borders is trying to, to do this, to make, to say this, to make Harry look bad. Like it's something vengeful on his end. Could it be some sort of big, huge miscommunication? Is it have to talk, is it talking about, you know, I don't know. It's easy to start thinking just like we did with Maddie. Last year, we're like, you just want to figure out what could it be that's not so bad. So here's the problem. The tell problem me, Pete. is, problem is, is that if Preston Borders is playing the game, why is he playing the game? Yeah. They did not show us Preston Borders and Harry Bosch having a conversation over the last two to four episodes. Mm-hmm. Therefore, there's no pretext. Yeah, to, there's, like, yeah. There's no context to it. So, so he can't be like, hey, you know, Bosch and me had a conversation and look at the camera on this day and then he told me to do this and then I did this. There's no conspiracy. There's no conspiring. So why mm-hmm. would why would Preston Borders say that and call Bosch to say that? Because even if you did it, why would you call and say you did it to put mm-hmm. like suspicion on yourself as Preston Borders? But there's no why. I always think, what's the why? Why would Preston Borders do this? What does he have to gain from it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing to gain from it. The only thing I could think of is that <laughs> he, Bosch told him to do it. He did it, and he's a dummy. But we all know that's not the case because no one's that stupid. They would have showed you them having a conversation and not, not let us hear what they're talking about if that was the case. Mm-hmm. They never showed you them crossing past this season, right? Right. Well, that does it does lead you back to him being on the garage rooftop with that sheriff's deputy Yep. You know, you think, oh, was that about Doc Wilder? Because you guys thought it was about David Foster. Yes. And then I thought it was about Doc Wilder. So you, you, it makes you kind of second guess that scene. Yes, exactly. Yes, so you're trying to put which, the pieces together. Which confuses me because, like I said, there's no why. There's no yeah. why. It's it's It seems to me like, you know, even if Bosch asked him how, how is there communication for Bosch to send murder? And why mm-hmm. would you send word to the guy? Why would the guy do it for you that you put in jail twice? Wouldn't he want to go against you? Like, why would you trust him? Yeah, why would you do him a favor? So yeah, to speak? I, I'm yeah. I'm so confused here personally. And I, I think know. it's that's just that's that's what happens with cliffhangers. You're like, you take yes. it at face value, and then you question it, and then you try to figure out the whys, and you just get more confused, and you know, so many possibilities, and then. You're like, thank goodness there's a season three and we'll find out. <laughs> well, hopefully, yes. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, we know there's a season three, but yeah, hopefully we'll find out what, what happened. And and I'm hoping that it's somehow. Well, we cannot, like he said, hopefully, we cannot. They could just be using this to start a wedge between Maddie and, and yeah, Harry. Right, right. Yeah, like, I mean, hopefully, part, yes. Yeah. Yes, hopefully this will be addressed. And I would like to think that it's somehow some mis communication or or misconstrued i don't know i i don't i i hated it in season three when when harry you know let Her- howard was it charles gunn what's his name gun ed edward gun edward gun die yeah, you know like any sort of indiscretion it's just so yep. uncomfortable you don't want to see him crossing the line it, it's interesting when he goes up to the line and pushes the boundaries but you're like oh don't cross that line and so it's just i know extremely uncomfortable exactly. because this goes back to maddie's and vasquez's conversation in the last episode that he's always 
Vengeance and justice. Justice and vengeance. Yeah. Exactly. How do you balance that? Now, it raises so many questions. Maybe, maybe yes. Borders, Borders carried it on himself and then just made this phone call because he knows that all the calls are recorded saying, yeah, yeah. tell your dad took care of this thing, you know? Well, let's let's move into an, our interrogation if we have any any questions left. Does anybody have a question that no. we didn't address? Okay. No, I, I asked him throughout this throughout the Yeah, I, I stopped you to okay. ask my question. Okay. <laughs> Person of interest. Anybody want to go first? I don't know. Oh, Pete's called go first. last. Okay. I'm going last, first. Yeah. Remember, I already claimed the Bosch for this episode. That's right. Yes. We know your answer. <laughs> okay. All right. Who you got? So I got uh, two different I got two different people. Okay. Um First of all, the writers leaving yeah. us on the amazing cliffhanger again. Yeah. Not really as bad as season one, but still uh, leaving us wanting more. Mm-hmm. It's great. The best and worst thing about the season coming to an end is you're left wanting more, especially with an ending like this. Yeah. And then the other one is pressing borders for taking out Doc Weiler. So even whether it was orchestrated by Bosch, orchestrated by himself. Okay. Doc Weiler is gone. Thank you, borders. But. <laughs> Yeah, try not to f up uh, Harry Bosch's uh, life after the fact. You know, and it just made me think of this too when you said that for taking him out. We don't even know if he really did. Yeah, an overdose, and there's a you know an investigation into it. Yeah, Borders could take credit for it, something he didn't even exactly. do. You know, but yeah, the, but I, I I hear you, and I I, I that's a good. I, I, like I think you're answer. right, though. I think it all adds up to the confusion with the Foster Doc miscommunication, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. one is which, and then that it, be, it probably was him. And because he wasn't affiliated, Preston Borders was open to do what he had to do with his mm-hmm. people. Yep. Yeah. yeah, after after the ending, I know that that's who they were talking about was Doc Weiler. But as it as the scene happens, you're like, oh, man, Foster's have his has a death wish. I mean, they're trying their darndest to get him out, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so only because they showed you Foster Brew's face, so you thought that it all yeah. ended up. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we knew he'd been beat up, and, and like yeah. you said, why would you affiliate yourself with someone if you know you're getting out soon because you're innocent? Mm-hmm. So I get where we got all got confused there. Yeah. Well, my my person of interest is Mo for a variety oh, yes. of reasons. I mean, obviously he was a big part of the episode, and that was just. I mean, there was so much emotion, like you talked about in this episode, but I was just so angry for her betraying him you know mm-hmm. and i just like you don't hurt mo I, i'm like one of the biggest mo fans i know there he has many 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 fans <laughs> that character mm-hmm. but i just it's one of my favorites and i was just like how dare you and i was just so like invested and then to see him face that challenge and that betrayal but still be smart enough to play mm-hmm. the game you know and 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 out let her know that he knows who she is and just like the way he could still stay so composed with all it had to be emotional for him but he just stayed composed and used his smarts and outsmarted her so mm-hmm. and, and the I, fbi again and yeah and the <laughs> fbi in general yeah but you don't mess with mo exactly so that was mine so my person of interest for this specific um is bosh absolutely he was very sloppy all season up until now when i had this conversation with you I thought that maybe he did set it up where he hired, mm-hmm. you know, Preston Borders to kill mm-hmm. Orville Wright and Baca because, you know, like I said on episode nine, and you guys all agreed, you know, what would you do for your daughter? You know, there's there's no rules. Things change. Mm-hmm. You know, kids, when you have kids involved and people you really love, you know, animals and kids and, you know, you just, the rules are different. So with that being said, seeing Bosch's transition 
this season, the way he went up to the boat with Ellis and was just had no plan whatsoever and no disregard for his daughter. He's out of control. And I don't think it's by accident. I think it's by design. I think this show was written with the idea that the star of the show was not going to be Bosch. I think the main character always been, we just haven't been told it directly and is now going forward even more going to be Maddie. Mm-hmm. I think this season was her character arc. So I personally think that they're setting Bosch up to go down a road where he is either within the next two seasons, episode seasons four or season five, going to a be die from, you know, something crazy that he self-inflicts on himself <laughs> or B go to jail because the oh. rules are different. He's no longer a cop. Is this your bold prediction that you've been talking yes. about? Something yeah. significant wow. is going to happen to Bosch in, in season four or season five. Mm-hmm. You heard it I'm here, not, folks. I'm not Pete, hating it. Pete goes big with his predictions, so yay. Just, yeah. the, short, the short cryptic way to explain my prediction for the people who want me to simplify it is Bo- Harry Bosch would not make it past season five. Okay, that's that's he's putting it out there. Ah, yikes! <laughs> Maybe. And, and what about and what about running out of a little bit? What about what she said that um, it's only a matter of time before Harry's luck runs out. Yeah, she did use why, that phrase. Yeah. Why put that scene in there if they're not if it's not an Easter egg for the future? Come on, foreshadowing like they did with Eleanor back in season one. Yeah. Thank you. There you yes. go. Wow. Whew. that's a lot to take in, but I hear you, man. It's mm-hmm. sad. All right, let's get into our off-duty time. I think, I don't know if we have some trivia, but I know you have a game for us. Yeah, I have one a, trivia. Okay, yeah, Pete has one trivia. I'll do like one trivia question and we'll get into the Bosch word. All righty, Pete, why don't you fire away with your question? All right, so when Maddie's coming out of that building where she's talking to the guys about the um, the shoot, right? On the wall, there's a writing on the wall. Wait, wait where is she now? She's coming out of what? When Hollywood Station. To- yeah, when she has to talk about um, what just happened with the with the yep. shooting on Ellis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she's walking out. I forgot who she was with. Um, And it says, all visitors check in with fill in the blank. It was on front the wall. Desk. No. No, not front desk. Oh, no. Okay. Watch commander. Yes. It was It was oh. watch commander, but the commander was CMDR. It was short. Okay, nice. Short abbreviation. So yeah. I, gave okay. you, I, I gave you credit for that because it, you know what Thank it meant. Thank you. All right. Good job. Tracy's been on fire with this trivia lately. <laughs> I know. She's been awesome. <laughs> All right. What you got, Mike? FBI Memorial Wall. When did Eleanor start her duty with the FBI? Even if you just give me a, like a month and year, it's fine. Oh, man. August 7th, 1978. <laughs> How old do you think she is? I just <laughs> guess. It sounded good. I'm going to say January 1992. Oh, wow. 1998. August 7th. No. <laughs> well, uh, Tracy was closer. It was July 8th of 1994. She was born in 71 on the walls. So okay. You threw out 78. I'm like, what? Well, she was there. She started working. Wow. Her- <laughs> wow. She started doing it at seven. She was so advanced. In her- she's a, she's a prodigy. Yeah. So she first started her duty with the FBI on July 8th of 94. So. Okay. All right. Got the right decade. Yes. 90s. All righty. So for the game. You ready, Pete? We have Bosch words. Yeah, I'm listening. Okay. In the words, I'm going to give you guys each six words that you got to get the other person to say. And okay. you can only use one word to get them there. So if Pete gets it, you get the points. Okay. Yeah. So we'll do three, two. So you get three chances. If you get, if you have one word and he gets it, you get three points. So I got on the list, there is going to be three characters and three items or three okay. things. Okay. 
All right, I'm going to start texting you guys the words, and we'll see how it goes, right? Okay. <laughs> so, Tracy, I'll start off with you. Okay. So I'm going to send you a word that you got to get Pete to say. Okay. So let me know if you get it or when you get it. Okay, got it. All okay. righty. Hmm. Time. Clock. Wrist. Watch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good, Good job. job. Okay, so Tracy, you got two points for that one. I forgot to say, Pete, too, these are all words that are affiliated with the season two of Bosch. So now it's Pete's turn. There you go. You get it? All right. Um, Modley. I don't know that word. Um, Jay. <laughs> you get, you give you three words, you, you're going to lose your points. Um. I only get three words. I use them all, I think. Yeah, that, that's, so that's for one point there, so... You can still get a point if Tracy gets oh, okay. it right on this. So one. I'm thinking I'm just I'm just recounting the words you said. Okay. Something in season two. Partner? Nope. Sorry, it was crew. Oh, oh like Motley yeah. Crew, J uh, Crew. Motley. Okay. Motley. Okay. Here's your next word, Tracy, okay. for Pete. Okay. Crate. Barrel. Bingo. Nice. Tracy gets the three pointer on that one. So now I'll send a message to PPI. Chandler. Honey. Bingo. Three points, PPI. Three points. Good job. So next word for you will be Tracy. Computer. Mo. Um, Hacker. Oh, that'll count. <laughs> I, I have to count that for the three-pointer. Okay. I've got to count that for the three-pointer. So let me just say, Pete gets a word now. Yes. Hold on. Let's see here. So I'm sending this one to Pete. Swimming. Pool. What'd you say? Pool. Yes. Oh, that was right. Okay. Yep. My next my next hint was going to be billiards. Pool and, uh, <laughs> so three. I was hoping you remember the swimming pool. And yeah. Three. Yeah. All righty. So this is your turn here, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> Redenbacher. Orville. Doctor. Doc. Popcorn. Um, Lucha, mask. Uh, you still can't say it. <laughs> rock, rotten, rotten rocker. Um, <laughs> doc, 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 Rottweiler. Doc, 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 ro doc Barger. Rolling <laughs> with Doctor, Doctor Rollin Schnitzel. Oh, that's funny. I'll give you two points. You got close enough. You got close enough. Right, like I, I tried. <laughs> exactly. I just can't pronounce it. It's <laughs> Alrighty, time for Pete to have a word here. So I'm gonna text this one <gasps> out. Pete. Um, um, computer. Jade. Nope. Next word. Hacker. Mo. There you go. Okay. Two pointer for Pete. I was gonna All do right. hacker first, but I thought because I I guess Mo to computer be when you said it, yeah. you would have translated yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Already, so whose turn is it now again? Back to Tracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yacht. Dan Ellis, um, pork rinds, bourbon <laughs> uprise in 1933. Um, long, um, bad guys, ocean marina. I'm shooting Maddie Bosch. Um, gun, water, bullets. Um, no choice. <laughs> I think I just summed up like three episodes. <laughs> I right, give you another word. Ocean. Doc. Orville Redenbacher. Um, <laughs> Lucha Mask. The real Calamity Jane. Close. 
Yeah. <laughs> Marina. That's what I said, Marina. Oh, it's, Marina's another clue. That's a clue. Yeah, I didn't I didn't remember um, that. Boat, ocean. Yes, yes boat. There it was boat. boat. I didn't say boat earlier. Yes. Oh, okay. I don't think so. No. No, I didn't. I, you didn't. Kept, I said you everything else. Around. You were saying <laughs> I said everything all else. The, all the... Everything else. Everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So now it's uh, Pete's word. Reddick. Irving. Yes. Good job. Three points there. Okay, now it's time for Tracy's word. Janice. Jade. Yes. Yes. Nice. Alrighty, and then the last word right. sent out here. Here you go, Pete. To Pete. Stolen. I think season two is stolen. We already do did give, watch. Do I give her the second clue or no? Yeah, go ahead. I can't think of anything. Wrist. We already did watch. Bracelet. Yes. Yes. Because that bracelet from that, yeah, they took the bracelet in. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that was did. a hard one to. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, what do I? How do I say that? I'm like, we just did this. Like, I just yeah. like, you know, we did the watch. Yeah. 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 Well, you did good. Yes, it was hard, but we got it. We got it. Adding up the points right now, then Tracy will insert like a drum roll thing here. It's very close. Tracy, you won by one point. One point. The score of 14. Pete, you had 13, though. So nice. Both did awesomely. One, two, three. That was very close. What were the maximum points? Three times 18? Yes, 18. So you got 14 out of 18. Pete, you got 13 out of 18. So that Pretty was good showing. Pretty good showing. Very good job, both of you guys. And no need for a tiebreaker today. That's that's a good thing, right? Yeah, no tiebreaker. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. Thanks for doing that, Mike. I no enjoyed problem. that. Good game, Pete. Good uh, game. They suck. All their games next year. <laughs> well, guys, Good game. This, this was this was fun, and it is sad that the season is over. I but, know, but we are got some ideas in the works, and uh, we want to come back and do some more podcasting before next season. But right now, you get our interview with Tom Bernardo. So that's a little bit more for you. And that should be very insightful. But that's it for us tonight. Signing off. For now. For now. (laughs) See ya. Bye, everybody. Bye. We're flipping the switch to tens. Great. So, what do you what do you want to tell us? Like the scene where he talks to her. Is that what we could talk about? Well, or we can talk about that Mo and Jade Dean because that was that was yeah. sort of de- debated to to a, a good degree how we were going to sort of orchestrate all that, how we were going to okay. drop that that turn in the story. Play, you know, back and forth. I mean, the the arrest was they have him now. They have him right. on a crime. You know, she sort of baited him into helping her out and she was smart the whole time in terms of making sure that it's not entrapment because he chooses to do it mm-hmm. right she had yeah. to play that very skillfully he's the one who chooses to do it in fact you know she she does sort of try to hold him off but he persists nonetheless yeah. what she doesn't know and there's two things one how skillful a hacker is in terms of covering his tracks and playing it safe Mm-hmm. And two, when does he put it together that Jade Quinn is is the undercover agent, which we wanted to keep open to interpretation. I have my own take on when that happened, but there are different an, uh, an audience member can differ about when he figures that out. You know, we were going to get his arrest. What was important to me in, in co-writing this with Eric was I wanted to dramatize to the audience that we weren't sure if Mo was actually going to 
betray Chandler and Bosch. Yep. If you go back to season one and what happened with that pipeline explosion, he's the one person who can really sink them because he was involved in it. Yeah. Great and Barrel, while they were doing surveillance about that operation, weren't involved with the actual pipeline explosion. Mo mm-hmm. is the one person who could send Bosch and Chandler to prison. And so we wanted to take that all the way up to, wow, they really, the feds really have him in a vice. Mm-hmm. He's an impossible choice now. He either cooperates to save himself, thereby hanging, you know, Bosch and Chandler, or he refuses to cooperate and goes down. And it, it, But there was a dramatic turn in there as well, which is he's a smart character. And we mm-hmm. thought one more needle for us to thread here, which is... He's going to turn this on. He's going to turn the tables on the feds and thereby blowing up the case. And it was all about him putting together the Jade Quinn, Janice Morell of it all. And and her having that one more moment in his apartment, playing Uno, having wine, mm-hmm. him knowing that she's wired and then basically calling her out in a way that compromised her identity. And yeah. then sing, like beat by beat, step for step, blowing up their case. Yeah. Uh, so they had nothing in the end. But to me, I have to say, what was important to me was the emotion of the moment. It was one of the more satisfying things. I don't know why, but I found it the most satisfying things to write and to explore this year. Because there's a version of that story that's just all about the puzzle. And mm-hmm. it's all about turning the tables on the feds and they're the bad guys and Mo's really smart and all this other stuff. But what I want people to take away from that, because it just lent itself, is the bittersweet sadness of it all, which is I remember, and I I hate to tell you too much about my process, but that scene in terms of Mo and and Jade, I knew I had to write that scene, but the dialogue came to me in the middle of the night. Okay. I wish this happened all the time. But sometimes (laughs) you wake up and you start playing around with an idea and then the characters start talking. I know that sounds but they start talking and I yeah. trust. Them. So I immediately get up and I just start writing that on my phone. Mm-hmm. They're saying, cause I can hear them. And that scene almost word for word is what came to me. And, wow. and I'm so thankful for it. I, again, I wish it happened more often. <laughs> I'm laboring over something, and but that felt natural. And I felt just emotionally, I, I, I don't want to say too much, but I was drawing from something that was kind of personal to me that I felt mm-hmm. like was informing that moment. Sure, I yeah. hadn't been involved with an undercover agent, but I, <laughs> I didn't know I was conscious of it at the time, but it was sort of informing that and it was all coming yeah. to me and it didn't really hit me in terms of that aspect of it until I was on set watching it okay. and watching Steven and Jessica just absolutely hit this grand slam. They were unbelievable. And Patrick Katie did a, a terrific job, did a terrific job in directing it. And in terms of the coverage of it, and then we edited it a certain way. But I remember watching it and it seems like, oh my gosh, this, this scene is actually about this other thing. <laughs> and my mom was like, I was kind of moved by that. I was like, oh, I was glad that it informed it. But I was really proud of that storyline because again, sorry for such a long-winded response, but it, no, it's great. I, I wanted people to take a certain emotion and a sadness that these two people didn't work, that there was this hurt and this betrayal yeah. on top of the plot of it all. Oh yeah, I I totally felt that. That was like, oh, real, yeah, yeah. I mentioned something about you know one character situation I was really mad about. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Oh, <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, but good. yeah, but he's he turns he's a hero and he'll be okay. He'll be okay. But it did the, the emotional part packed a punch too. Yeah, 
and I, you probably can't say much about this. I, I'm not trying to like get any spoilers or anything like that. I'm just kind of, we're touring around in our heads. Is there, regarding the ending, is there any chance that maybe we've misconstrued or misunderstood what Borders was calling about and what Harry has actually done that Maddie has found out? You know, we're, we're trying to work through in our heads, like, did he really, did he really do that? You know, and so we're just wondering, is there any other possibility? I don't know if you can say anything about it or not. Oh, it's funny because I, I want to say something about it that at least <laughs> addresses your question. At the same time, I love that the audience will be able to en- engage the questions yeah. for themselves or the drama answers that for sure. them. Like All I can tell you is when we do something like that, like we did with season one, we try to honor the privilege of having audiences, an audience and an audience that is invested in our show. So we, we want to be fair and uh, and honor their commitment by taking the 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 cliffhanger of it all if you will or the question Mm -hmm. of it all seriously Mm -hmm. so all these cards that you see behind me will in due time answer these questions i could just tell you that much (laughs) that wasn't just a provocative ending we go out we talked a lot about do we want to commit to this because once we put it up there it's a story we have to pursue so yeah. I can at least tell you that, and but okay. I do like that people are going to wrestle with it and have different. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah. So kind of tying into that, utilizing such a hated character like Borders, was it meant to make the make it harder for the audience to and Maddie to swallow the idea of Bosch having Dockweiler taken out in that matter by using yeah. utilizing Borders? Like the fact that it's just this horrible, nasty prisoner that we hate having Bosch possibly have any association with him for his own means you know or benefit or was using borders purposeful at all in that way oh yes i mean i think it was michael landed on that idea okay Uh, and i i remember i mean some of these things come very late in the process probably later than i would ever like to admit (laughs) sometimes play a long game and other times you're like well that's great we'll figure it out (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that's storytelling. And, and sometimes if we pull it off, it makes us look like we're, we were playing a good long game the whole time. But I remember when Mike pitched that idea, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, that's, it It sort of was like this jujitsu that I was like, huh, really? Uh, I said, oh. gosh, that's bold. I look, Michael Connolly is one of the best storytellers we have around. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I trust his instincts and he has an, an incredible knows for story hooks so when he goes to something like that i say let's go let's figure this out and i thought to myself if we can do if we can pull off the maddie story in the way that we did we'll figure this one out too but mike had a good instinct for who's a character who's on the inside would be at this prison who we really wouldn't know what his motivations were the moment he made that phone call right and and given the life of the show and and suspecting that Bosch now, given that it was his daughter's life, would be willing to cross lines, and we don't know what he's capable of. Leaving the audience with this question is what we wanted with that scene, realm of possibility, whatever, however they were going to interpret it. So mm-hmm. I think yeah, you know, it wasn't just any old prisoner who had proximity to Dockweiler. It was yeah. someone who brought a whole backstory. The moment you see him on screen. The, the relationship with Bosch. And now it's about what happens next. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and all that emotion attached to that character. We have all that, you know, it's not That's just right. some ran, random person or whatever. So. 
That's right. Um, Mike, you go have your next question. We see uh, Honey and and Bosch meeting several times on a, on the roof of a parking garage, and we're just curious if there was any significance to that location being used. Uh, I think in episode ten we see like the a pan from the Paramount water tower. And then it shows Bosch before he's meeting somebody else other than Honey. So I was just curious if there was a significance to that location. There is. And, and story-wise, it it lent itself to sort of clocking that water tower, knowing its significance in the world of the story, and then being okay. able to have the scene unfold the way it does. Because it was, that was a nice sort of visual thing for us to catch. But the significance of is it it's right down the street from our studio. <laughs> oh, okay. so, it is a really um, convenient place to shoot, and it it for whatever reason at night it feels very mysterious, and it feels like this perfect place given the lights that play behind. Oh yeah, it. there's a certain it's mood to that. Very so, noir. It's like, yeah, exactly. It. Very noir, and it's just it's convenient for us. We just we are awesome. right down across the street. It's a parking lot right across the street, and it it this, this year because of the proximity to the Paramount. Uh, water tower we were able to capture that and it yeah played, uh, it really that, worked that part of it was a coincidence but we've used it to i think good effect on the show yeah, yeah. it really lends itself to the whole thing with you know the, their new new scenarios and doing the pi work just having even more of that sort of noir effect when clandestine meetings and, and stuff you know i like those scenes when they're up there oh great on top of the garage so we're curious what are the chances of there being a storyline that makes sense for an appearance from amy aquino as billets you know i think what we've done in the past with all of our cameos we, we tried to be uh vigilant about this um in the writer's room is like we'll go we'll, we would love to have our characters back from our old world because we know our fans have a relationship with them right. we love to have them just as actors and people but we always try to be guided by like is this justified dramatic right you know right does this lend itself or are we just doing fan service i mean right. fan service can be a part of it at times but you want to be led by does is this serving the story and right. oh fans will like this too that's great mm -hmm. But I think we talked about something similar with Jay Egger. Yeah. I'd love to have Jay Egger in every episode. <laughs> if he's just sitting there next to Bosch, I'm like, oh, man, this is great. This feels like the Bosch world. But it's just it's where the story world went. And we try to honor that. So if we ever see Billets again, I can hope that it'll be it'll be justified story wise. Yeah. OK, OK. We're hoping a good story comes along where we'll need Hopefully. her. Be <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh... You guys really play on emotions, not only just with the viewers, but also with the characters in the show. We see Maddie visiting an FBI honor wall. I was just curious if that's an actual wall inside the FBI building. I was reading through the credits after the episode, and I see that you can visit it virtually online, which we'll share during the podcast. But I was just kind of curious if you if the wall is actually real inside the building. Thank you for that question. That's a good, another good one. It, you know, I love that moment. Madison, again, just elevates it. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of where that, that's another idea that came to us as we were breaking the episode. We kept thinking, given what she's just been through, where's her head at? And I, and I kept thinking, if her mother were alive, it would be someone she would go to. And mm -hmm. How do you, that loss continues, even if the story event happened a while ago. And is this a moment to visit that? Because what would she want to do? She would want her mother. 
but she we know there's there's no cemetery where she can go to, to visit her mother's gravesite. And then it sort of I thought, well, maybe there's like the LAPD has this kind of wall of honor for those who have been sort of killed in the line of duty. I wonder if the FBI has something equivalent. So we reached out to a U.S. attorney who is a consultant on our show, Bruce Reardon, and and he coordinated for us to meet and go to the FBI here in Los Angeles and said, there is a wall. I'm not sure if it's just photos or plaques, but let me see if I can get you into the building. So our people who are scouting locations actually got it into the FBI headquarters here in 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 Los Angeles, which is in West Hollywood, or on the west side of things, rather. And they showed us their wall of honor, which was now this sort of digital kiosk, which was even better than what we thought. We got this idea. It's very much based on that. When you look up a fallen agent, what comes up, what types of pictures, what type of text, what would... So we built all that. In the end, the FBI was going to allow us to film there but there are so many other federal entities within that building that it was just going to be impossible for us to get. We could shoot the outside, but we, we ended up finding a location that was the interior. And then our people built this kiosk that is in, in very much inspired by what the feds actually have, but is our version of it. And then we talked through what pictures do we want because we want to hit the audience a certain way and have the character react a certain way. I love scenes like that because to me, they're cinematic. You don't need any dialogue. You know exactly what's going on. It's something that you feel and that gets underneath your skin and into your heart. Those are the things that if you can go there without it feeling manipulative, you want it to feel true to the character and to the story. So I was so glad that that idea came to us and that we executed that way. And then I remember being there on the day and Madison just, I said, I know exactly how this is going to feel when the audience watches it because she is conveying every emotion and acting with this kiosk mm-hmm. and what it means to her as Maddie, especially when she sees that photo of her mother holding her as a, as a, baby. yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. That's that scene really hit me when I was rewatching it last night. I'm like, you know, I was tearing up too, because obviously you're invested into these characters. So great. For sure. Yeah. We think you guys knocked it out of the park again, but it definitely builds on season one. And a lot of the production items, like I said, were big swings and a lot of the, the interconnectedness of the story. It was just, it was, it was a lot. And so you gave us a lot and we appreciate that. It was oh, God. a great Thank season. I'm so touched that you guys are as invested as you are. It means a lot to us because this is why we do it. And we are always trying to to do more, to better, whatever, you know, to tell the best stories we possibly can. So when it connects with our diehard fans, we know we might've landed on something good. Oh yeah. Yeah. That it was a great way just to not only keep Bosch and Maddie and honey on their toes, but also the viewers as well this season with all the obstacles they had to overcome mm-hmm. all the, all the characters that were, you know, that honey and Bosch had to, you know, overcome. They had Ellis and long, they had the feds, you know, it was, it was like they kept on having hurdle after hurdle to jump through yeah. throughout the first season. So, so we yeah. appreciate all the all that work that everybody does on the show. Absolutely. Great. Yes. All Love right. You. Thank, Thank you. you so much for your time. You're we, welcome. We appreciate it so much. And uh, thanks, Tom. All right. Bye, Tom. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.